0: Welcome. Welcome. The show you're about to listen to is part of the Hopped Up Network's growing family of craft beer podcasts in the U.S. and Canada. Find this show and others like it at hoppedupnetwork.com. The spot
1: for informative and entertaining craft beer podcasts.
2: Brewery rigs are a little bit like driving a car. They're all like same, same, but different. You know what I mean? You've all driven a car before. You can get into an unfamiliar car. You can kind of drive it. But oh, where's the shifter? Where's this knob? Whatever. Every, every. Rig, every process is a little bit different.
1: That's Jim Barber, head brewer of Two Ton Brewing in Kenilworth, New Jersey. Last Sunday, I sat down with him and his father, Doc, the CFO, in their tap room to talk about their journey to opening about two months ago. Welcome to Over Beers, a craft beer conversation podcast. My name is Freddie Clark. Before we get to the conversation, this time of year, people are going to be sitting down to family meals and many are going to be wondering what wine pairs well with the meal. But have you considered thinking about what beer would pair well with the meal? Wine's great, but it's made from a single ingredient and beer is traditionally made with four ingredients and a lot of other things can be added to beer. Think about all the different taste profiles that can be present in beer. Coffee, chocolate, acidic, earthy, floral, smoky, bitter, fruity, the list can go on and on. It can be light and delicate, or it can be bold and flavorful. Brewing is cooking, so why wouldn't it go with food? Food pairing is more of an art form than a set of rules. You can drink any beer with any food and chances are, it's not gonna kill you. But with a little thought, you can create flavors that are really greater than the sum of its parts. First, think about the intensity of the beer, and then the food. You don't want a beer to overwhelm the food, nor do you want a fine-boned beer to just disappear when matched with a bold food. Find the balance. Think about the flavors presented in a beer, as well as the alcohol level and carbonation. Higher carbonation in a beer can help cleanse the palate and make a heavy dish seem lighter than it really is. Ultimately, your goal is to create harmony in the flavors. For most beer, the coloring of a beer comes from the use of caramelized malts. Caramel flavors can be present as well. When you fry, roast, grill, or sear food, you are creating caramel flavors. So a beer with a caramel flavor will pair well with a burger, steak, or grilled fish hops in an IPA can present very heavy citrus flavors, which can go well with dishes prepared with orange zest or lemon juice. A malty beer can offset hot peppers or match a dish containing fruit. As you're enjoying the holiday meals, play around with different beer flavors and different food flavors. Chances are you won't make any major mistakes and you'll enjoy yourself along the way. There's a lot of books on the subject if you'd like to learn more. Let's get to our conversation with Two Ton Brewing. We sat down in their downstairs speakeasy room to get away from the noise of the main taproom and had a conversation over beers. Why beer? Like, what, what got you going in beer? Oh, great question.
2: I uh, did a semester abroad in Germany in uh, my junior year of college and fell in love with panoply of beers offered in Germany. Mm-hmm. It is really one of the original craft. Locations and one of the things that struck me was how all the different cities in Germany have their own unique styles like sandwiches in America, right? Mm -hmm. the the Philly cheesesteak or the North Carolina pulled pork slider or whatnot and uh, yeah, you know, so every town, every city was like a new beer adventure. And I didn't realize, okay, maybe coming from the world of Natty Light in college, no, no disrespect right. to, no. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Milwaukee's Best or whatnot. But, um, you know, there, there was... More, it's only the best in Milwaukee. More, right, right right, right, right. There's, uh, you know, there's other flavors out there and uh, other styles to, to discover and stuff like that. Right. And then, you know, for me, I've always had an inquisitive mind, curious about the way that flavors can combine. And once I... Discovered that the brewer can manipulate these variables to produce different flavors and aromas. That's hmm. where it really right. grabbed my interest. In
1: that's that's always the amazing thing for me with beer is that it's really only four ingredients right, for the most right, part. Right, I mean, right, you got right. you can add some other things sure. on top, but for the most part, it's four ingredients. But the things you can do with those four things, hmm. and really only three, because water is you know water plays a part, but. Hmm. amazing the different flavors you can extract out of those ingredients right you know and and to a point with with germany i mean every town having their own brewery and their own styles that i remember when i went over it was Mm. just Mm eye-opening about how much how different it can be one class to another you
0: know variation yeah
1: and then and then so you were still growing up and i'm guessing when you were in college it was still like that you know bud Michelob. Yeah, yeah. Staff, so uh, it was not a lot of option here. Correct. Really, correct? Right. In the late '90s, um, okay. you know, Sam Adams
2: okay. was around. Uh, the Dogfish had just come on the scene. In the Sixty Minute mm-hmm. uh, IPA sort of revolutionized between uh, Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, you know, uh, Boston uh, uh, Sam Adams Boston Lager, mm-hmm. and then uh, you know uh, what Dogfish is doing. Uh, I want to actually tip my cap to the forebears that have revolutionized and sort of paved the way for the next generation of craft.
1: Right, right. Okay. Now, what about you, Doc? Was uh, Was beer always a thing, or...? I actually,
0: the interesting <laughs> part is that uh, it actually never was a thing. Never was a thing for my, you. My grandfather had a, a wine press. Okay. So uh, as a very young boy, we always had wine at our table. Okay. So I never had an affection for beer, quite honestly. Okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds pretty unusual, but... Yeah. The, yeah. No, no, not uh, at not all. It's, not at all. It just never related
1: to it. It's one of those things that has a very, especially in the United States, had a very cyclical... Hmm. A, a very set cycle like right. for generations it was you were either it kind of got lost in the US Right. you know right. beer was not a it was you know go to the pub after work right. with a couple right. guys have a few right. and then at home for dinner. Yeah, beer was seen as a low
2: beverage right, right. for a long time, right? The exactly. Weekend, and
1: that's where Porter comes from. Mm-hmm. And it was the wine that was more of the aristocracy and right. the more refined palate. Right, so you about. were way too refined.
0: Wow. <laughs> some, some of my, the wine that my grandfather made, dandelion wine, was pretty brutal. <laughs> like, my mother would say, oh, well, you have to get used to it. You have to learn to enjoy it. It's like, wow, this <laughs> is really something yeah. else. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe craft beer was a better choice. Right. Well, it a better be. choice in the long run. <laughs> so so
1: beer then, it was your junior year in college. So that was not your goal. I mean, you did not go to school for, for brewing. No, negative. Uh, no,
2: we're actually from a background of education. We're all educators. Okay. Um, I, I still have my day job, actually, but uh, uh, Doc's a retired uh, superintendent of schools, went for the Department of Education. You can tell you his, his uh, long litany of uh, career in education. And uh, uh, my brother, Matt, our other partner, uh, was a special education teacher. Mm-hmm. and left teaching to run the business full time
1: okay so he's he's the one here full time and you're Correct. you guys are Correct. doing it on a, well uh, Doc's here full time oh you're full yes. time too. Yeah. excellent yeah, yeah, yeah. excellent um, so uh, th- how different is it going from a career in education
0: to running a brewery the the aspect of that I work with is financials okay so I had been involved doing school budgets 52 okay. million dollar budgets and 11 million dollar budget so that piece is I'm very comfortable with okay but understanding the brewing and the mechanics of everything it's a whole new field for me okay so you're 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 the main <laughs> man though you're running the money I have the money <laughs> and the wisdom of years of experience in, mm. in, in the leadership position okay. that the boys could if they have a question or something but they're they're very talented on their own quite honestly thank you you did a good job then I, my wife did a terrific job. My <laughs> okay. wife did a terrific job. She's just a saint. Someday with four boys, out. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Said myself, wow, I'm like, how you doing? <laughs> oh, so it's
1: two other brothers who aren't no. involved in the in the brewing. Uh,
2: our, our third brother, uh, Mike John Michael, is he's okay. my assistant brewer. Okay. And uh, the fourth boy, Chris, is uh, going to grad school to be a registered dietitian. Oh, okay. So he's kind of uh, struck off on a different path.
1: Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Okay. so you're doing it. You you graduate edu- with an education degree. Um, when you come back from Germany, was, was the, the I mean the, the brewing bug right then and there? Had you nailed you?
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah and I was off and on for many years, uh, home in the garage and whatnot. Okay. Um, getting more and more entranced with the uh, the nuances of it, if you will, getting mm-hmm. more um, sophisticated. And I think for me, the Click was as i mentioned before when you realize you can manipulate the different metrics and i'll use just one example that that is like um sort of a microcosm of what attracted me to it is the uh the german wheat beers right so they have the quintessential clove and banana flavors and whatnot so just you know reading doing a little research and stuff those um flavors come from very specific chemical compounds right so the clove or peppery aroma is 4 vitamin polychol Okay, and the, the um, banana flavor is isoamyl acetate, which is a, a fruity ester. Um, it's the exact same ester that's present in bananas that, that we associate as the quint- as quintessential banana okay, flavor. So okay, so that's, that's cool, whatever, it's a random fact, fine. What blew my mind is, those are natural byproducts of the yeast, so there's no clover banana actually added. Those are just naturally produced by certain strains of yeast. And what's so cool is, you can control uh, the temperature at which the yeast ferments, will depend on which of those are expressed more or less. So if it's over about 72 degrees Fahrenheit, you get more of the isoamyl acetate, more of the banana estuary. And if it's less than 72 degrees, uh, you get more of the, the clove. So mm-hmm. that one is like, oh wow, like you kind of see the strains behind you know, the, the, the puppet of how to you know, manipulate those different flavors. And now, now then the question becomes, well, what do I want this beer to taste like? Do right. so I want more cloves? Do I want more banana? Which, what, what hops am I using? How can that play off the grain bill? Things of that nature. So. That's where my curiosity went for many years. Um, Mm -hmm. And as I said, I was just a happy home brewer, and it was um, uh, my brother Matt, uh, his youngest son, who saw more of the business opportunity. Mm -hmm. So around 2012, 2013, as these breweries were starting to proliferate around the state of New Jersey, approached um, uh, our our mom and dad with the idea of, hey, you know, uh, Matt saw a business opportunity and and pitched it to them, and, and... I'm sitting here talking to you.
1: Okay. (laughs) It was that simple, huh? (laughs) Well, you know, I'm going to give
2: my mom and dad a tremendous amount of credit. They've always believed in us, supported us, Uh and uh, I'm I'm humbled to think that, you know, the family saw enough talent in in what I was doing to, Uh you know, to believe in that opportunity.
1: So what was, when, when they came to you with this, I mean, what was your, what was your first instinct? Was it, was it, were you on board instantly? Or yes. did you take, yeah, you were right on board. Okay. Uh,
0: you know, it's your fa- uh, as a father, it's your dream. You mm-hmm. know, your kids come to you with a vision. And I was, I had been working at the time full time. So I figured, you know what? The hearse never stops at the bank, right? You, if you <laughs> can do something for your kids when you're alive, you could see the joy in their face. And Matt said, you know, I only asked him one question. I said, Matt, will we will, will sell beer? He said, yeah, it's a really good product. I, I said, you know, I don't drink this stuff. He said, yeah, okay. You think it'll sell? I said, let's do it. Let's give it a shot. Because your life is filled with what-ifs, mm-hmm. in, in my humble opinion. And my wife was uh, battling cancer. so uh, And you start to see some th- your, your perspective changes in that you're saying to yourself, There's no given for tomorrow, Mm -hmm. you know? So if there's an opportunity, for the worst that would happen is I would lose money. Right. The best that would happen is my kids would be set for life with a business, my grandkids would be set, so that it could be something for the future. Mm -hmm. And even more importantly, to say well we could have would have should have looking back is even more painful so right. I figured you know what let's do it let's see where it goes uh, and, and everybody seemed to like it and then when we won an award in 2016 and 2017 I said that is validation <laughs> people are voting this. I feel really comfortable that uh, we would so I, I never I never thought that we would not be successful Right. it's just a matter of how successful is successful and right. in my mind uh you know as as a parent i worry about pensions i worry about retirement i worry about health benefits that as a younger kid you know it's like eh it seems like a good idea at the time but at some point you get old mm-hmm. and you say to yourself, wow, I think I better have a pension and medical benefits and so on and so forth. So I worry that we'd be successful enough that the kids would be able to draw a nice salary and set up a pension and, and have their medical benefits. Because in, in education, you're kind of blessed that that's part of the package though. You may mm-hmm. not make a lot of money. But at least at some point you were able to to get a pension and medical benefits. So that's what I really worried about for my kids that that would be success, that they would be able to draw the salary and then have some money after that. Okay, cool. Spoken like a true CFO. There you go. That was a
1: good hire there. Right,
0: right, right, right. right. It was a tough interview, but I was glad I just got the job. You want to do what? You (laughs) want to brewery? What are you talking
1: about? (laughs) Let's. I want to go back to one thing you said. So, a uh, uh, war, for what, what? Where? For what? And where? Where? Uh,
2: I was the uh, chocolate vanilla porter in okay. the Morristown uh, Big Brew Festival. Okay. So, same beer, actually, back here. back here
1: Okay. Uh, nice. Yeah. Nice. All right. So that. You know, so. So 2012, you guys decided you wanted to do this. Started exploring the idea. Right. Um, started exploring
2: the idea, and then through 2013, I think so, started putting some of the pieces together. The company wasn't founded until uh, three ten fourteen. Uh, okay. So, so, like, pie. <laughs> so, March 10, 2014. Okay. We, uh, you know sat down with the lawyers, drafted the operating agreement, and really uh, you
1: know, dug into it. Got into it, yeah. So, you, you took a path that a lot of places don't start with. You said earlier that you were gypsy brewing first. Correct,
2: correct, correct. Yeah. And i really glad we did. You know, it's, it's taken us a little longer to get to this point, but it's been completely worth it. We brewed, I think, in eight or nine different breweries around the state, um, uh, contract brewing, and then a lot of collabs. Okay. Um, we partnered with Cypress Brewing, Elementary, uh Manskirt, I've had a beers with them, um, other, uh, L- Lone, Lone Eagle, others I'm probably forgetting. Uh, so my my apologies to my brewing but uh, I've done, done a lot of products uh, projects, rather, and it was really invaluable for me. Okay, um, brewery rigs are a little bit like driving a car. They're all like same, same, but different. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You, We've all driven a car before. You can get into an unfamiliar car. You can kind of drive it, but, oh, where's the shifter? Where's this knob? Whatever. Every every rig, every process is a little bit different. So we brewed on everything from a, a two-barrel system to a 20-barrel system, everything in between um, through all these different projects. And over the course of, I think it was about three years, yeah. contract brewing, and, uh, and learned a lot. And it was a great opportunity for us, both for me to see the commercial side of things, okay, because, again, after homebrewing for all those years, it's certainly different on the commercial side, okay, but then also to take away a little bit uh, from each experience of what we liked, what we would do differently if we had our own space. And so a lot of those experiences informed the design decisions, the uh, the equipment decisions, all the factors that went into into this space.
1: That's got to be really invaluable because you're not opening your physical space at square one. Right. You know, it's, right. You're not, you, you've got a basis of, well, I've, I've worked on this already, and this was okay, but, you know, it gives you a basis to make informed decisions on how you want to build out your plant.
2: Correct. Correct. Right.
1: When you were, so when you were doing the collabs, when you were doing the contract brewing, where was the beer going from there?
2: Good question, so we had a warehouse in Linden, okay. um, very small, It's essentially just a loading dock and enough room for, for a walk-in cooler, a little office, um, but that was a, a perfect platform for distribution. We've uh, self-distributed, mm-hmm. we had about 100 accounts throughout uh, Northeast Jersey, okay. uh, bars and restaurants, some liquor stores, we did, uh, I forget the exact number, but uh, about a dozen uh, different uh, beers and cans and bottles, okay. Package goods, things of that nature, um, but it was just really, and I want to give a lot of credit to Matt. For uh, you know, just driving around the state, soliciting, distributing beer. You know, it's it's been definitely grassroots. You mm-hmm. know, built it from the ground up, um, which has also been nice. To your point about when we opened this space, it wasn't just brand new. There was now all these you know relationships that have been made around the state. You know, Mac can now just call up this uh, you know a list of uh, you know taproom managers or, or restaurant owners and say, mm-hmm. hey you know we 're back we 've got such a touch beer on tap oh great send a six toll you
1: know mm-hmm. so. so from a business plan then um, when you were going into this was it did you was distribution always going to be forefront or did you really decide that the the actual tap room was going to be an integral part
0: of it as well great question do you want the yeah the financial um, value of a tap room is just phenomenal and, and that was my other consideration that we were making some money you know with distributing. i think matt said he had about 102 accounts that he would drive but you know those kegs weigh 180 pounds i think mm-hmm. and the sixth one, i don't know how much they weigh and he's he was able my boys are able to lift him and put him in a car but you know at my age <laughs> i have a hard time with the sixth And i'm saying to myself and I said to him, Matt, you know, you, you can't do this. It'll be hard for you to do this when you get older. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking 20 years down the road that having people come to us, we have a tap room, the margin is much, much greater. That's a better business model than you driving all over the state. Right. Mm-hmm. And I figure in the long run, that's that's the place that we want it to be, that we're able to be sustainable and, and really have a place that, has a story mm-hmm. that people would want to come to and, and when people come here they, they feel that, that, that warmth that rustic look and it's like oh yeah this is like a nice place to be mm-hmm. and, and to hang out and, and that's the story that we wanted to create from the beginning uh, which made the transition a lot easier because people were aware of us they had heard us they met us at all these different uh, different venues and then we collaborated And it's amazing how the industry, how everybody is so supportive. You, You, one would think, right, I mean, I'm in education and it's like you're doing a great thing in your school I may just keep it to what I'm doing in my school I may not put it out to the world or I may I mean everybody's different but here everybody was just so supportive it's like oh well you should think about this and be aware of that we did this and I would do that and I'm saying to myself wow they're really giving of their time to for you to be successful when you would think it's like in essence we are competitors. Right. There's a finite market that we're all trying, but they never look at the point that we are competitors, that they look at that there's a community of yep. friendship amongst everybody. And that's kind of like separates it. And that's probably the reason why everybody is succeeding. Because mm-hmm. it isn't one person to talk and disparaging remarks about another. It's that everybody's offering something that the public is willing to try
1: every brewery I've talked to as I've been doing a podcast everyone is saying that, that same thing Yeah. you know when we started and, I, and I'm talking to different people at different stages right. so some of them you know some of the ones who may have been around a little bit longer are like oh yeah well, we talked to just, we talked to Kane right. and then you know somebody who's been around for three years yeah oh well you know this new guy came to us and and it's such a recurring theme is yeah. that everybody is helping each other out and to your point I don't think a lot of other industries, especially in a retail consumer facing, I think right. people have the tendency of saying, Well, I'm on to the magic formula. I'm going to kind right. of hold on to it a little bit right. and you figure it out in your own way. Well, I'll write a book about it
0: and you can buy my book.
1: Exactly. <laughs> that makes so much. Exactly. Right. <laughs> and the brewing business is totally not like that.
0: Yeah. It's just amazing. Yeah. It's amazing uh, the friendship and, and the community mm-hmm. that it engenders. Right.
1: And, and I've said it before, I think, from especially when you start to get into the consumer angle, the people who like craft beer see that. That the community exists between the breweries, and that helps bring more of the consumers in. Because right. people, people respond to that, and they see, right. you know what? When they talk about community, it's not BS. Right. They they have a sense of it themselves, and it brings everybody else along for the
0: ride too. And and the whole the whole mindset. Uh, I mean, you're not going to have one competitor say, "Go to my competitor and try their product." Right, yeah. Google's not going to say, you know, you should go to some of our other competitors and try them or whatever, as opposed to the beer community where they're going to say, it's like, oh, yeah, go, this brewery does this kind of a beer. If you're looking for this kind of a beer, this one does uh, specialize in that. You might mm-hmm. want to check it out. So there's that sharing of information and, you know, having having people that put out information is the other vehicle that has been extremely, extremely important that, you know, there's enough internet right, mm-hmm. podcast there's enough vehicles to promote communication that the word gets out mm-hmm. and then and then when people see that everybody has a common goal of just sharing information mm-hmm. and making a, an enjoyable experience mm-hmm. it makes it that much more enjoyable for people to come to and try different places and, and different uh, food pubs or craft house or uh, whatever
1: mm-hmm. good two ton where did the name come from a ton of hops ton of grain
2: okay uh, a lot of high abv beers big bold flavors definitely like to push the envelope uh color outside the lines if you will okay so,
1: nice yeah. <laughs> all right when you are brewing um big abvs you know big big on taste are you sticking to traditional recipes is that is that german influence holding, or is that a starting point and you're jumping off to other, other things?
2: Yeah, uh, great question. And, and when we try some of the beers later, I think you'll see we'll, we like to put a little twist on everything. So if you try the uh, Altbier, which is a, style, a traditional style from Dusseldorf, uh, it's, it's traditionally um, uh, Altbier meaning old beer or old style of brewing. When lagers became popular in the 19th century, some uh, breweries continued doing ales, so sort of the traditional way of doing it, uh, but they were using the, the Pilsner malt at the time with, with ale. Yeast. So we said, okay, well, what would happen if we try to we try to aim for the same characteristics of that style? Okay. So it's going to be, yes, a little malt forward, but a dry, crisp finish. Okay. It's going to have some hop presence, but it's certainly not what what, what the IPA drinker would describe as hoppy, um, an amber colored, similar to a Vienna lager, right? To ca- capture all of these characteristics, but again, put a little twist on it. So mm-hmm. instead of Pilsner malt and ale yeast, we use Irish ale malt and lager yeast, and sort of flipped the script on it. So, mm-hmm. one little thing, and I actually had a gentleman um, come in, uh, I, as I said, a said a semester in Germany, so when he began speaking with me, I immediately detected his uh, German accent, and, uh, and he was commenting, he's not only from Germany, but from the city of Dusseldorf, and he's like, oh, this is amazing, it's really, is uh, very similar to you know, his, his uh, beers back home, so I was impressed that we were able to replicate the style, but again, put that on a little twist on it to make it.
1: All right, so we've got a flight in front of us, so take me through it there, sir. Sure,
2: um, as I said, we have uh, 20 taps here, 16 upstairs, four downstairs, uh, a bunch of different styles, so I try to grab uh, a cross selection mm-hmm. of, of different uh, styles so you can taste some of the different things that we're going for. Uh, so one through four is uh, number one, hammer and nail. Imperial IPA, West Coast style. Uh, number two is uh, Schlankhoeffer, that's the Altbier uh, from Dusseldorf, as I mentioned. Number mm-hmm. three is a Chocolate Vanilla Porter. And number four is uh, Situation Normal, how are you? It is an American Pale Ale and an obscure line to a Star Wars, obscure uh, reference rather to a Star Wars line. Okay. Um, yeah, so Hammer um, of Ale, one of our flagship beers, definitely big with the uh, citrus, uh, the grapefruit, the pine, Dry hopped uh, with Simcoe, Chinook, very traditional, and uh, once upon a time, IPAs were clear. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> they had a little bit of bitterness <laughs> to them. Um, again, uh, very uh, assertive citrus notes, grapefruit, and uh, it's also 9 point, uh, 9.1, 9.2% okay. ABV, um, so uh, that's in the mix as well.
1: <laughs> so this reminds you like you were saying earlier, about when you were, when you were starting in, in brewing, the influences of then. Yes, the yeah, yeah, Nevada, yeah. The Sierra sure. Nevada, the Dogfish. Yeah, Oh man, yep. absolutely, absolutely. So very much a traditional West Coast style yes. IPA, but not super, not super chewy. Right. You know, right. not right, super right, right.
2: bitter. Right, it's, um, yeah, again, you know, maybe inspired by, uh, a little bit maybe by the Dogfish 90, mm-hmm. right? Not as quite as malty as that, not quite as uh, dry and crisp as, as Pliny right. the Elder, so, um,
1: yeah. Nice. Now, this, you would say, is your... Is this the beer you're making the most right now? Um, no, that's probably the Rock Cold Blondale.
2: Blondale okay. very popular. Okay. Um, more approachable, I think, for the, uh, the hop heads, for the lupulin fans of the world, right. and my dad does not really like hoppy beers, so he's going to drink this begrudgingly. Um, he likes more of the sours. Okay. Um, a lot of people that don't like beers is actually the hop bitterness, I think, that turns them turns off. Turns them off, right.
1: right. So when somebody comes in who says to you, I don't like beer, right, and they're there with a group of people, oh, I don't like beer, what would you What would you give them? Geez, well,
2: I would probably ask, what is it about beer that you don't like? Okay. Uh, because there's different people that respond. Um I don't uh, like different Different triggers, right? Right, right. Oh, it goes it's straight to the, mm-hmm. the sours as well, right. too, the blueberry, the blueberry sour, um, because again, it's a hot bitterness that they're um, averse to than either the blonde ale, which is more of a malty, smooth, touch of yeah. sweetness to it. Um, and we use Pilsner malt in there because of the note of honey um, or, or the sours. Um, and a lot of times people say, oh, I don't like dark beer. Well, what is it about the dark beers that you don't like? Um, because, again, the color and the flavor are not necessarily connected. They're, they're connected in our mind. Right. right? And
1: right. usually the lighter beers, the, the darker beers can be the lightest beer in flavor profile. In flavor profile, yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So sometimes we'll uh, ask uh, customers if they're brave enough
2: to close their eyes and try it and then guess if it's, uh, you know, what the <laughs> color is. Um, but yeah, no, there's all any number of interesting things, ways that you can trick the brain, right, things that uh, aromatics that might be present that do not necessarily correlate to flavor compounds and vice versa. So it might look a certain way and you expect to taste that way and it doesn't, or... Um, or might uh, smell a certain way, okay, but then the flavor profile will be different. It's kind of fun to mess with the brand.
0: That right. Think, oh, cool. Yeah. And our Hammers are our number one seller for folks that really like the IPAs and a nice beer and for folks that like um, a light beer. It's like, what you, I really don't like... St- our, our Blonde Gold is mm-hmm. our number one seller. Okay. You so... Know, it's... it's um, you can almost... Pick by gender, uh, which, which folks like this style and which folks like that style. Without trying to be chicks like hops, <laughs> if you've met my
2: wife, chicks like hoppy beers.
0: So it's it's interesting what people because a lot of folks will you know will have a party. They'll come in and say, "Well, I really don't like the, the oh, yeah, hoppy non- stuff." The yeah. Hobby yeah. Oh well, and yeah. here's what we yeah. here's what we yeah. have that you probably yeah. would like.
1: Yeah. I have a I have a bunch of friends who are. You know, beer is Heineken light. That's right. what yeah, beer is. Exactly. And I went over there two or three Christmases ago and brought uh, Sierra, Nevada, Sierra Nevada celebration. Oh, great beer. Right? Yeah, so, right. and I put them in the, the beer fridge downstairs, and we had the, we had, I think it was New Year's. We have the evening, go home. I'm back for like the birthday party, one of their kids' birthday parties in June. And I go down to the beer fridge, and there's still like <laughs> c- celebrations yeah. in the back of the yeah. beer fridge. Yeah. I'm like, why didn't you drink these? He's like, I don't like that hoppy stuff. I'm like, all right, well, I'm gonna have some celebrations in June. That's it.
2: So that was a big reason why, big impetus behind, since everyone's uh, tastes are slightly different, uh, to having uh, both the quantity and diversity of beers Mm -hmm. we have. You know, there's definitely some uh, uh, definitely some breweries that have decided to double down on IPAs, and they'll have you know, if they'll have eight taps, they'll have six IPAs, maybe a stout, maybe a saison. Um, We wanted a full panoply, so we have lagers, ales, sours. Things like that so and actually we go for some of the uh, more obscure styles so number two is the schlampuffa schlampuffa is a made-up word it comes from barbie dreamhouse my six-year-old daughter who watches this <laughs> show started saying the word um and it just i guess sounds german i don't know whatever whatever but uh but Altbier is a real style and uh a lot of people have uh kosh um very popular as well from uh Kohn and Altbier is from it's like his uh little is like his older brother uh from uh, dusseldorf so you know, it, it's an orangey, uh, amber type color. Um, pronounced malt aromatics on the nose, um, and and, a, and a, a touch of malt sweetness up front. But then it finishes so dry and so crisp, and it's a almost a, with a touch of roast mm-hmm. to it too. So it's a very um, complex beer, an interesting beer, but but uh, completely quaffable as well. Mm-hmm. It's not high ABV. It's one of the one of the few beers under seven <laughs> percent that I do. Um,
1: hmm. No, that's yeah, the There's a lot. There's to it. It's got yeah. a
2: breadiness, bready. Mm. Yeah.
1: Well, and that's the, that's part of that's part of what amazes me about beer is that it, it has so many. There's a there's a there's a nose mm. to it, a bouquet to it. There's the initial taste. Yeah. There's the finish. Mm. I mean, there's a lot of different things that can happen over the course of one, mm-hmm. one taste, one sip.
2: You're absolutely right, So We think about layers of experience. Um, what are, what is the foreground going to be? What is it, What is the mid taste? What is the what are the what are the, what is the uh, aftertaste? And then even within that complexity of flavors, what are the top notes? What are the subtle notes? You know, is it is it going to be malt forward, hop forward? Uh, is it going to be driven by um, yeast um, uh, flavors and compounds, things of that nature? And then how do these how can these flavors all blend together? I mean, it's a lot like artists matching colors or, or, or a cook or a chef, you know, matching. Uh, flavors of the different uh, food ingredients because beer is a food item. It really mm-hmm. is. You know, yeah. kind of
1: that way, Liquid so. bread. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So with with having that many beers on tap at once, I mean, you you were showing me a little bit about your system. I mean, how you, you've got to be brewing quite a bit yeah, so to brewing, keep yes. those taps yep. we also full. Have
2: a, we also have a one barrel uh, pilot system. Mm-hmm. Um, so altogether, I think we have nine fermenters. Okay. Um, there's some others in uh, in a. Um, a separate uh, temperature controlled room i don't know if I, I get a chance to show you that or not uh, but we keep all the sours and the farmhouse yeah, sales and top yeah. uh segregated so they don't cross contaminate mm-hmm. so all together about nine fermenters varying sizes from you know the one barrel to the uh to the seven barrel fermenters and uh yeah brewing probably three times a week okay uh, three times a week three four times a week to, to turn all these over um and keep those different styles going so
1: still having a full-time job so i brewing is nights and weekends uh, so,
2: yeah, so I yeah. brewed yesterday, but um, I'm very thankful to have both my brother uh, brothers, Mike and Matt, uh, assisting me. And okay. we also hired a full-time assistant brewer to be here uh, during the week. Okay. So he's here Monday to Friday. Uh, a, friend of, a friend of mine, actually, that I met at um, festivals and stuff years ago, and he, has, he had about five years uh, brewing experience at another... Uh, brewery in New Jersey and then ended up working at a homebrew shop for a little while and uh, became available so we snatched him up and he's been doing a great job
1: nice okay cool
2: and then we have a yeah so this is chocolate vanilla porter this is kind of the beer that uh, inspired it all this is the one uh, I was brewing uh, um, in the winter time every year for like almost like a Christmas beer it's a great fireside beer Mm -hmm. Um, uh, it's real Madagascar vanilla beans and uh, Dutch cocoa powder and this is the beer that uh, Matt actually brought to uh to our mom and dad said, I think we can do something with this. Um, so yeah, this is one of our core beers. Um, and it took a long time and a lot of variations to figure out the right blend of chocolate and vanilla. So I imagine, uh, you know, you're on the boardwalk that like swirl, the chocolate and vanilla swirl, ice cream cone, right? Yeah. You, you distinctly taste, like that. you should distinctly get the vanilla, particularly in the nose and in the forefront, but then you also get that chocolate, the roasty, uh, you know, chocolate finish. And so to have the, those two layers of flavor um, in in balance and hopefully in harmony. That's uh, that's the goal.
1: Right. And that is like you were saying earlier. Yes, dark but mm. very light, very smooth, very smooth. Serve it on nitro. Okay. I should
2: that. Right. on nitro, and uh, people have been known to get growlers of it <sighs> and put it over uh, vanilla ice cream, <laughs> ice cream float. So uh, that is uh, that is mm. encouraged and preferred. Right.
1: Very right. good. So. No, nice.
2: And then last but not least... Yeah, uh, we're going back to the uh, realm of hops. Okay. So I pulled this as uh, situation normal. How are you? It's uh, when, <laughs> when uh, Han Solo and Luke go to rescue Princess Leia from the Death Star and he's wearing the Stormtrooper uh, costume. And that's... Uh, no, anyway. That's all right. You so, can geek out. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so as you can probably tell from the uh, you know the... All the board games and stuff the the books and and such that we have the the typewriter in the corner as I'm looking around the room here the uh, uh, the phones are functional. you mentioned a uh, geek, I'm a, a proud nerd. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna give a shout out to my wife, um, one of the other uh, you know uh, owners in the business. she and her uh, father. Uh, wired the telephone behind the bar downstairs, hardwired it to the phone behind the bar upstairs and they energized the line with a 9-volt battery. So it's a closed-circuit telephone system where the two phones only call each other. You have so, a bat phone. We have a bat phone. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> if, the, if the bar downstairs kicks a keg or whatnot and needs uh, you know, extra glasses or whatnot, you can call call the phone upstairs. So it's, it's fun things like that where nice. you know, it's, it's, it's fun to be a nerd. nerd, nerd nerd's rule.
1: This, so. uh, this space is is great. I mean, walking into the upstairs... Where you have the, the brewery. brewery, right. I mean the woodwork is, is beautiful. Oh, thank, you. thank um, you. And but it has a brewery taproom right. room feel to it. Right. You can't not do that with all the stainless around and right. everything. But down here, the the room we're recording in now, I mean you the way you ex- explained it when we first walked in was that speakeasy feel. Yeah, yeah. And it yeah, definitely yeah. has that. You know, with with just off off to the side. Mm-hmm. Right now, very quiet. But you know the the, the tin work on the bar the books everywhere I mean it definitely has a you're not in a brewery you're in a separate you're in a separate little separate little space separate little little world there's not
2: a lot of uh, spaces like this in Union County so we wanted to bring something a little different right nice Um, anyway back to the beer so this is uh, uh, an American pale ale and I think it's a, a tough style to brew because it's very easy to make an IPA. <laughs> you know, Pale Ale uh, has a little more restraint to it. And what I mean is it's easy to make an IPA because you can also overdo it with the hops. Now, some people might say there's no such thing as overdoing it with the hops. <laughs> um, but you know, for that fine line between a Pale Ale and IPA, you still want some of that uh, malt expression. You still want a little bit of sweetness. It should not be uh, too bitter or stringent. Um, it should have hop aromatics present. But at the same time, uh, you know, find that find that balance. Right. So this is brewed with uh, 100% cascade uh, in, the, in the boil. We actually use a product, it's a, it's a, a cascade hop extract, so it's like a, a, I don't even know how it's called, like a, um, it's more refined, they actually use um, like liquid CO2 to strip the lupulin glands, the active ingredient from the hops, they, they strip mm-hmm. that. Um, um, from the, and remove the vegetable material. So you don't get any of like the coarse vegetal bitterness, it's just pure like uh, alpha acids and, and beta acids, which are your bittering agents. So we use that uh, CO2 hop extract in the boil. And then this is uh, dry hopped with some of the more, so that's a nod to the traditional aspect of the palate. Like, so you always do something a little bit different. And we use the traditional Chico, uh, you know, US uh, ale yeast, very traditional. But then the twist is some of the more um, boutique if you will, uh, modern hops. Idaho 7, Belma, um, I forget what the third one is, not Galaxy. I'd have to look at the G- Definitely Idaho 7, Belma. That actually, might be Chinook. I, I would have to take a look. But, uh, you know, again, trying to do something a little bit different and, and present some more interesting flavors. So, you get some of the tropical notes, some of that um, again, this, the juicy citrus hazy. This days, if it's not, if it's not hazy, people uh, don't even want to, uh, want to see it. <laughs> so, you know, trying to find a balance between the, the,
1: the old and the new, if you will. Yeah. It, pale, American pales, mm. this is very different mm-hmm. than this than what I would call a... How the I, Sierra Nevada Green ale, right. Yes, because yes, everybody yes. does want to... If you do a pale ale, it, traditionally, it, you either compare it to that or it is a direct... Well, we won't say copy it. Let's say right. homage to it. Right, right, right. right. But this has... A, it's a pale ale, but it has a very different flavor profile, especially in the Thank back you. end. Yes. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It, it's, it finishes very different.
2: So Sierra Nevada uh, sort of broke ground with they have a very assertive hop bitterness. Right. And so definitely, uh, you know, it was a very new type of beer on the market in 1996 or 97 or whatnot. And that became uh, an exemplar, yes, for style. And what we've seen since that is... Uh, a lot of brewers are moving their hop additions later and later in, in, the, in the production stream. So instead of the you know the 90 minute boil, or the 60 minute boil, um, a lot of times they'll do whirlpool hops, mm-hmm. okay, or or no boil uh, uh, you know uh, brewing um, you know, uh, strategies or, or techniques, if you will. So this definitely has uh, some boil kettle hops, but again, a lot of it is a whirlpool. And um, as you probably know, the longer the, uh, the heat. Has contact time with the hops, the more that the alpha acids isomerize and become increasingly bitter. So the longer you boil the hops, the more bitter they get. So a lot of brewers have definitely uh, started dumping in hops in the whirlpool by the boatload because then it's uh, much less contact time. Whirlpool meaning like you're done brewing and you're just um, you actually recirculate the kettle to, to uh, create a whirlpool, a literal whirlpool, so that all of the protein solids and the hop material, the, the true, as it's called, will collect into a cone in the middle. So it's a way of um, removing those those undesirable um,
1: protein coagulants from from the beer before it goes to the fermenter. This this just it's yeah a very smooth finish. Cool. For Thank uh, you. I, this is this is really a... a it's a little different, right? It's yeah different. It's, it's a surprise. When you when you said pale ale, you know, well instantly I have a Okay. I know right. what I'm gonna drink. Right. Right, right, right. And this this was a a, a uh, Pleasant surprise. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So I think
2: it's a part of our business model is how do you keep one foot in. Uh, tradition, one foot in expectations, one foot in conventional wisdom, and then the other foot out. Right. The other foot is the, the leading foot, the pioneering, the you know, the doing something a little bit different. Um, it can't be too radical because sometimes, much like uh, Vincent Van Gogh, who died uh, penniless, you know, if the art is too far ahead of its time, the customer right. won't, you know, uh, embrace it. So we need to find a way of meeting our, uh, uh, you know, meeting our customers, meeting meeting the the palate, you know, where it's at, but at the same time bringing it forward a little bit. Yep.
1: So, the space, your physical place, and your tap room is open almost two months now, right? Correct. Um, what is what is next? Have you oh, thought great. about next yet? Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: great question. We talk about this stuff all the time. Yeah. So, uh, we were joking the, uh, the trifecta is uh, live music, food trucks, and can and bottle releases. So the goal is to have, you know, every weekend, at least two of the three. Okay. Um, so we got food trucks coming the next two weekends, the Russian Imperial Stout that I just brewed uh, yesterday is going to get bottled. Uh, our next batch of hammer and nail is going to get uh, canned. Um, we got live music coming on, as I said, like every Saturday now. We're going to try to expand that out to do maybe Fridays or like the you know, Sunday afternoon, kind of more chill, acoustic set or, or whatnot. Um, but because this space is so versatile. We're thinking like, well, what would be cooler down here in the library than you do like poetry readings, do like open mic nights, just have fun, you know, like just explore because uh, I consider myself, um, you know, an artist or a craftsman and we want to embrace that and invite more artists and musicians and more, creative, more creativity into the space, if you will. So,
1: yeah. Thank you, gentlemen. You can visit Two Ton Brewing on Federal Avenue in Kenilworth. Visit their website, twotonbrewing.com for hours and info on their beer. Overbeer has joined the Hopped Up Network of beer podcasts. Check out hoppedupnetwork.com to find beer podcasts from all over the country. We're gonna take a break for a little while, but we'll be back soon with more episodes of Overbeers. But as always, check out the blog at overbeers.beer. Please leave a rating for the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, it helps. You can also leave a comment on the blog or send me an email. I'd love to hear your thoughts and ideas for the show. Cheers at santephoto.com. We've got an Instagram account up and running. At Over Beers Pod, I'm Freddie Clark, and I'm going to go have a beer. But I'll be back real soon with more conversations over beers. You're listening to the Hopped Up Network. Thank you. The show you just listened to is part of the Hopped Up Network. The Hopped Up Network is a growing family of craft beer podcasts in the United States and Canada. Find this show and others like it at hoppedupnetwork.com. The spot for informative and entertaining craft beer podcasts.